tell you in a little while, but uh, most of you will be there already. Well, you know, the first thing Monday morning, I hit the ground running. That's not literal, by the way. If I'd started out running, I would have hit the ground, that's for sure. But what I meant to say was that I started out uh, Monday morning, first thing, uh, thinking about my message for today. And, and some of you won't understand this, Brother Kenneth, I'm, I'm certain will, but since it's Mother's Day, that makes it all of the more difficult. And uh, the reason I say that is because of the fact it's kind of like Christmas. It's hard to say anything that you haven't said before. You know, and the last thing mothers want is to, you know, come to church on Mother's Day and uh, hear a lecture about, you know, uh, how bad they've been and how good they ought to be. And, and you, so, you, you know, you want to encourage them, and yet at the same time, you know, you, you want to help them. You want to honor mothers. That's what Mother's Day is all about. But basically, honoring you as a mother is the responsibility of your children and should be somewhat a responsibility of the husband but mainly the children, and while we want to honor you today more than that, I want to help you today. I, I want you to find help, because I can't really help you, but, uh, but I know how you can find help, and that's in the Lord. Two of my favorite messages over the years on Mother's Day, one was entitled Model Mothers, and... Uh, I don't think I need to explain. I wouldn't want any of my, my children to ever become models. I don't mean it like that. But I'm talking about a model mother. And the other one was a model for mothers. And uh, those two things go together because having a model for a mother goes a long ways in a young lady becoming a model mother later on. But here's the question. What does it take? to become a model mother. What, what does it take to become the mother that you ought to be, the mother your children need, the mother that God wants you to be? In Proverbs chapter number 31, I believe that we can sum everything up in one short verse. Proverbs 31 and verse number 30. And as you probably know, this is the conclusion of the thoughts about a virtuous woman that begin back in verse number 10. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Amen. I've preached many times about the virtuous woman from all of those other verses. And we could spend literally hours this morning talking about all of the characteristics of a virtuous woman. But the real key that generally gets overlooked is the verse I just read in that one phrase where it says, a woman that feareth the Lord. That's the key. That's what's necessary in becoming the woman, the mother, the person that God wants you to be. Uh, before I go on, let me give some advice to the young men that are here. Uh, 
You know, I'd always said when I was growing up, I wanted uh, I was going to be a hermit living out on the mountain in a log cabin, you know, with just an old hound dog on the front porch and nothing but fishing poles and shotguns and things like that. Uh, but all of a sudden, something happened. Uh, in uh, something happened that uh, began to change all of my thoughts about that. And I decided, well, I don't want to spend my life alone. I, and I remembered that little girl I saw in the third grade out there on the school ground at York Elementary School. And uh, it so happened God just worked it out. In spite of all of the dumb things I did, some way or another, God brought us together. And, uh, and I couldn't be any happier than I've been over these past years. Uh, I'm, I'm saying all that to say this, fellas. Marry a woman who fears the Lord. And you'll make a grave mistake if you don't. And a wise man is going to be looking for such a woman as that. So don't be foolish. No, notice, and, and most of the time, young men are attracted by the wrong things for the wrong reason. And young girls depend upon the wrong things to attract young men. And he mentions two things here that are false attractions. The first one is favor. That is how she treats you, how she talks to you. And in other words, being agreeable. In other words, saying the things that you want to hear, doing the things that you enjoy. If that's all you're looking for in a woman, let me tell you, all of that can change in a hurry. The first time she sees you get up in the morning with your hair of fright and bad breath and everything else, all of a sudden that favor of the woman might not be there. And so notice he says here that, that favor and notice the second thing and beauty and I've got to confess, that was all I thought about whenever I was a teenager. I, I you know, I, I didn't care about anything else, just uh, as long as she was physically a, a, attractive, you know. And uh, that's a big mistake. I mean, I didn't make a mistake. I'm just saying that's a big mistake if that's all you're emphasizing. I'm digging a hole, aren't I? Favor and beauty. Notice what he says here. He tells us that these things are are vain. That's empty. That's I mean, if that's all there is, there's not anything wrong, you know, with beauty and with favor. If but if that's all there is, it's deceitful and it's vain. And as he says later on in Proverbs, he says a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. That's all it is. And yet that's all a lot of young men are really looking for. And that's all a lot of young women are really concerned about. You know, women, women you know, like to get makeovers. And uh, naturally, that's generally because, you know, they want to give uh, attention to some part of their body. They want to make over with some nails and hair or whatever it is. But... Uh, what, what what kind of a makeover would you like? 
He said, well, I want to go to one of those luxury spas and I want, I want to get the whole works. But I mean, choose anything you want. And most people would choose something that puts all of the emphasis upon the outward person rather than the inward person. And the sad thing about it is we live in a world that is so confused that most people, that's what they're attracted to. We think about the world and the Hollywood crowd and the entertainment business and all of that. And there are a lot of people that that draw attraction and a lot of people that get praise that they don't deserve. We honor the immorality of so many people like that. We think about their immodesty, their ignorance and so forth and and we got little young girls wanting to be like those, those women that they have come to idolize. God help our young women to never, never make one of those Hollywood women, I'll be nice, to make that your idol. It's the inward person that matters most. That's the whole point. A woman that fears the Lord. But what in the world is that? I mean, if it's so very important, what is it? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Does it mean that we are to be afraid of God? No, it doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean is that we are to, to reverence God. In other words, we are to have a respect for God, that we are to have a fervent, reverent desire to please God, to do whatever He says. But also along with that comes the dread of disappointing God. The kind of respect that when God says, this is what I want, we... Give him what he desires. The kind of respect that always honors God in everything that we do, in everything that we say. And as one ancient writer said, this is the crown of all commendations. In other words, that nothing better could be said of a woman than the fact that she fears the Lord. Don't find your worth, ladies, in, uh, in your attractiveness, in your appealing personality. So many times, so many women put themselves down and think of themselves as kind of subhuman because maybe their, you know, their physical appearance doesn't measure up to what they see that a woman's supposed to look like in a magazine that has had you know, been photo-chopped and so forth and fixed up to where, you, you know, it doesn't look a thing like the person, but that's the image they're trying to sell you. Amen. And I'm telling you, you just be what God intended for you to be. And the real worth is found in your relationship with God. Amen. And, and He looks on the heart, yeah. not the outward appearance. Of all of the good qualities that can be found of a woman, 
Everything is summed up in this one phrase, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. When you read through all of the verses pertaining to the virtuous woman, I didn't intend to do this for time's sake, but let's start in verse 10. I want to read just some of it. Who can find a virtuous woman? Well, not very many, because they're rare. Her price is far above rubies, and the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all of the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships that bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it, and the fruit of her hand. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. I figured some woman would say amen there. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff, and she stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself covering of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, whenever you look at all of those qualities found in a virtuous woman, if you look at every single one of those, they all relate in some way to having a fear for God. Every single thing there in some way relates to having the proper reverence for God. In wanting to please God. In wanting to delight the heart of God. And I say that because this is the summation of everything that God's telling you that He wants you to be. This is the foundation of everything that God would have you to build your life out of. A woman that feareth the Lord. And whenever a woman fears the Lord, she doesn't have any reason to be afraid of anything else. So what does it look like? A woman that feareth the Lord. How do you recognize her? Number one, the woman that fears the Lord has the conviction to put God first. In other words, she finds her pleasure in bringing God pleasure. That's her top priority in all things. Certainly, God never forbids us to enjoy the things of life. In fact, He tells us that we are to enjoy the things that that He has freely given. God wants us to enjoy our relationship with Him. He wants us to enjoy all of the blessings that He's bestowed upon us, but He always wants us to find our happiness in Him and not in things. 
And the woman that fears the Lord always has the conviction that God is first in my life and everything else is second. Not only that, she has the compassion that puts the needs of others ahead of her own. And certainly you just saw that in the verses that I just read. Over and over again, it speaks about the manner in which she takes care of her children and takes care of her husband. And it says, and her husband is known in the gates. Why? Because of her, his reputation, he's known in the gates. That was like saying at the courthouse. That's where the city council convened. That's where all of the men met to do business in the city. And they knew this guy. Why? Because of his wife. She can make him or break him. And so in all of this, we see her contribution to the family because of the fact that she has the compassion to put their needs ahead of her own. And I think if we're honest, probably, well, certainly if you are married to a virtuous woman, you could say, boy, I'll tell you, I've seen that over and over and over again. God forbid that we ever leave the impression with housewives that they're some kind of a second-class citizen. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote many years ago. He said concerning such women, he said, You are as much serving God and looking after your own children, training them up in God's fear, minding the house as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. How true that is. Thank God for those mothers that are willing to to put their family ahead of their own needs and their own desires. Not only that, but a woman that fears the Lord has the courage to say no and to do what is right. Let me tell you, there's a lot of pressure on women today. Especially today, there's a lot of pressure. Everywhere she looks, there's somebody trying to get her to conform. You turn on the TV, or you pick up the newspaper, or a magazine, or whatever it is. And and the world is telling her, you've got to be this and do that, and be politically correct, and so forth. And you've got to measure up to a standard that has basically been set by politicians and harlots in Hollywood. And that's what they expect you to live by. And if you're not for them, they consider you to be against them. If you're just an ordinary housewife and not on the front line of their battle out there somewhere, they look down upon you. But let me tell you, you're right where God wants you to be, right in the place that God has put you, and nothing you'll ever do could be more important than what you're doing. You don't get any notoriety. You don't get a pat on the back. Some of you might be married to men that that never say thank you or praise you in any way whatsoever. Your children might not appreciate it, but I'm telling you, God is watching and you shall be praised as a result of it. Not only that, but the virtuous woman, the woman who fears the Lord, has the kind of character that appeals to a wise man. I said earlier, giving advice to young men. 
that if you're wise, you'll look for someone that'll be a helpmeet that is somebody that fears the Lord. And there's nothing in the world more impressive to a God-fearing man than a God-fearing woman. She captures his attention. She wins his admiration. So many times we talk about Abraham and the great man that he was. But boy, I'll tell you, whenever you think about Sarah, it's absolutely amazing the kind of woman that he was married to. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation, that is the manner of life, the deportment of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of hair and the wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. You see, again, God is saying the emphasis is not on outward appearance. He's not saying, ladies, don't take care of yourself. I know there are some that have taken those verses to mean that, that a woman shouldn't wear makeup or shouldn't do her hair or shouldn't polish her nails. They use those verses to supposedly prove that. Well, what about that part of the verse that says in the putting on of apparel? I, you know, I'm kind of like the old-time preacher that said any old barn looks better with a little paint on it now and then. I, I believe that whether you're a man or a woman or whoever you are, that you ought to be well kept. You ought to look as nice as you can. But the main emphasis has to always be or should be on the inward person, the attitude of your heart, that it has a reverence for God putting Him first. Not only that, but a woman who fears the Lord will have the confidence needed for the tough times because her faith in God gives her the, the calmness to weather the storms of life because she, fearing God, believes that God will bring her through them. I'm glad I'm married to a woman that believes in prayer. Boy, I'll tell you what, we've been praying a lot this last week. Tuesday, when the rain came, the first big part of the rain anyway, and I mean it got within a half an inch of the house. I sent out a prayer request to pray because we're about to flood, and it wasn't five minutes until the rain stopped. I mean stopped. But of course, you know, the weather forecaster said, well, we're going to have a whole lot more. I mean, this is just the beginning. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know, boy... If we get anything like that again, we're, we're going to flood. And I know that Bev and I have been praying. I know you've been praying. And, and God answered prayer. Uh, look, folks, I'll tell you, and there have been a lot of times, you know, whenever we'd be praying about something, maybe it's somebody that's sick or some great need in somebody's life, and, and uh, we've been making mention to them in the services over and over again, and all of a sudden God answers the prayer, and we think, Wow, I didn't expect that. Why should we be surprised? 
And I've heard, you know, Bev say over and over again about, well, I'm not surprised at all because, you know, we prayed and that's what we wanted God to do and expected God to do and that's what God did. I'm telling you, being a God-fearing person gives you that kind of confidence in God because whenever you know that you're pleasing God, didn't He say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you? Didn't you see that in your Bible somewhere? Confidence. Now let me tell you, we, we live in tough times. Life's not always easy. And we need that kind of confidence. And the only place it can come from is having a relationship with God to where you put God first. And you know the result of that is going to be that God's going to care for your needs. Not only that, but a woman that fears the Lord will have the commitment necessary to do the job God's given her to do. You see, this is the way it works. We commit ourselves to the things that we care about. We commit ourselves to things that we consider to be important. And whenever a person fears God and has a desire to please God, then they're committed to doing those things that they know is pleasing to the Lord. There's some folks that don't care. And, and it shows. It's obvious. Everybody here, I suspect, if I ask the question, how many of you love God? Then everybody here would say, yeah, oh yeah, I love God. The sad part is a lot of times we say that we love God when there's no evidence that we really do. The evidence that you love God is fearing God. Having a proper reverence for God. Am I making sense? If we really love God, we're going to reverence God. We're going to want to please God. And that shows up in our conduct and in what we do. And consequently, we commit ourselves to the doing of those things. We often, you know, wonder why it is that you can't get some people to attend church or to read their Bible or to give their money or to do any other thing, you know, for the Lord that He requires. And it all boils down to what they consider to be of importance. And we commit to what we care about. And sadly, a lot of folks, you know, got God way down on the bottom of the list somewhere when He ought to be at the top of the list. Something else about a God-fearing woman is the fact that she has the counsel that other women need. Turn over in the New Testament to the book of Titus for just a moment. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read verse 26 of Proverbs here. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. Some just open their mouth. But the virtuous woman, the woman that fears the Lord, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Now I want you to notice Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 3. In verse 2, he speaks to the aged men. In verse 3, he speaks of the aged women. Notice he says, the aged women, likewise, 
that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now get this, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Ladies, have you ever thought about what a great ministry that you have? I'm talking about you older women, those of you that fear God, those of you that love God, those of you that are serving God. Let me tell you, you have a great ministry. And if you younger women are wise, you'll observe the ways of those older, mature, spiritual-minded women. And watch them and follow them. And let me tell you, you'll learn more from them than you will in any college or university in the land. Watch how they live. Watch what they do. Watch how they respond to the things of the world. Watch what is important in their lives. And for you aged women, that sounds better than saying you old women, doesn't it? <laughs> Boy, God knew how to word that, didn't he? You aged women. Accept it as a challenge to, if need be, take under your wing some young, younger woman and, and Nurture her and bring her along. Help her to become the woman that God wants her to be. Did you notice the things that he mentions there? To teach them to what? To love their husbands and teach them to love their children? But but wait a minute, doesn't that just come natural? Well, it should. But in case you haven't noticed, the Bible says in these days that we live, people will be without any natural affection. It's not there in the average home anymore. There is no natural affection in most homes. And people need to be taught to love one another. And boy, that is an awesome responsibility and a glorious privilege for an aged woman to be able to to help the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. And it's not just a blessing to them, it's a blessing to the husbands and to the children. What a wonderful thing it would be that God would use you. I'm talking about your manner of life, your example, your instructions, to use you to inspire some some young woman to say, that's the kind of woman I want to be. I want to be like her. I've been watching her. And believe it or not, some of these young ladies here today have been watching you older ladies for years. And whether they realize it or not, they are drawing some some conclusions as to what the Christian life is supposed to look like because they expect out of you to find an example. Please accept that, that challenge and may you determine in your heart to not do anything to ruin that opportunity to help coach them along in this regards. As I said, we go through these verses that I just read a few moments ago and we look at all of those qualities there. And again, 
whenever we just examine each one, every single one of them relates to this one statement. A woman that feareth the Lord. That's another way of saying that that covers it all, folks. That's taking all of those things, putting them one lump sum. And this is the foundation for everything about a virtuous woman. This is what makes her what she is. This is why she does what she does. Because she feareth the Lord. And nothing makes a woman more worthy of praise than to be a woman who fears the Lord. By the way, that's not just for women. Whenever Solomon come down to close out the book of Ecclesiastes there in chapter 12 and verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to just roll it all up in one ball of wax. I'm going to put all my thoughts together, reduce it down to the, to the shortest form. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Now listen, fear God and keep His commandments. Now get this, for this is the whole duty of man. This message isn't just for mothers. This message is not just for women. This message is for all of us. That's the responsibility of every person here, to be a God-fearing man, woman, boy, or girl. You say, well, why is it so important? Let me leave you with one verse that ought to explain it all, and that's Psalms 128, verse 1. And he tells us here, concerning fearing God, that is delight to everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways. In other words, the very thing that we're looking for, the very thing that we desire, that, that satisfaction that is so very elusive. And that's what Solomon had been looking for. Remember, he starts out there by said, I've conducted an experiment. And I tried wine, women, song, works. I tried everything under the sun. And he said, it's all vanity. Spider web, nothing. Soap bubble. Wait a minute, that's exactly, that's exactly what we read about, about the woman and her beauty and, and her willingness to, you know, to please the man. Said it's oh, it's, it's deceit and it's vanity. It's nothing. So when he comes down to the end of the book, he gives you the bottom line. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep His commandments. Boy, when you could listen, maybe you're wondering, why should I fear God? Believe me, I could preach for two hours telling you reasons why we should fear God. But here's the short answer. Because He loved you so much that He came down from glory, took upon Himself the form of a man, allowed Himself to be nailed to the cross and suffered and bled and died for your dirty, rotten sins. He took your place. He proved His love. And He deserves your respect. 
to be revered in your sight. Maybe this morning you say, Preacher, I haven't been the kind of a mother that I ought to be. Or might, look, it might not be a woman. It might be somebody else. I've been living my life footloose and fancy free. I've been putting all of the emphasis on things that made me happy without any concern for what would really please God. And I've come to realize here this morning I've made a huge mistake. And I want to put God first in my life from this moment on. For, listen, for the sake of your family, for the sake of, uh, for your own sake, whatever you do, say, preacher, I'm going to put God first here this morning. I'm going to make my relationship with Him the most important thing in this world. And believe me, if you do that, you'll be happier than you've ever been in all of your life you'll find exactly what Solomon had been looking for and could not find until he realized that real true satisfaction comes from fearing God and keeping His commandments. Would you do that while we stand this morning? Father, we tried our best to say the things that we thought would be pleasing to you and helpful to folks here today. And Lord, I just pray that You'll take Your Word, take these thoughts, and Lord, that You'll speak to hearts here this morning, that You'll change lives, and for those that are not saved, that they might be saved this morning, that they might be able to go away from here knowing without any doubt that they have a, a relationship with You, that their sins are forgiven, their home is in heaven, They'll leave here with joy bells ringing in their heart and a, and a determination to please you in the manner in which they live. For we beg it in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.